people think that they can just, once they get their certification or they get their education or they get whatever it is, that after that, it's just going to be like, okay, I start my business and people start coming to me. And it's like, no, actually, you got to, at the beginning, you got to go to them. You got to be in their face. You got to figure out what your systems are going to be to generate leads and things like that. Podcast Junkies, episode 246. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. Happy New Year to everyone, 2021. And uh, needless to say, 2020 was an incredible year for the books. Lots of hardship, lots of challenges faced by many people, myself included. But I think what uh, is important is having the resilience to get back up and uh, ensure that what we're doing for 2021 is going to be better. And uh, recording this on January 8th, after witnessing what was a historic event in the capital with the siege that took place there, and just when you thought 2021 was going to be a little bit different, <laughs> it seems like uh, it's we're always needing to prepare for what's to come because we don't know. And uh, it, it was just been an interesting couple of days and sort of threw me for a loop. I know that evening. I had meant to get the show out a little bit earlier, but um, was uh, processing that as well. So anyway, hope you and your loved ones are doing well. If you are new to the show, it's the one where we speak to interesting voices in podcasting and get them to just relax and talk a little bit about themselves, their shows, and whatever else is motivating them to move forward. And last uh, episode, last year, the last one of 2020, we spoke to Sarah St. John. She's an entrepreneur, a writer, an animal lover, and the host of the Frugalpreneur podcast. So make sure you check that out, episode 245. This episode's brought to you by Focusrite, and specifically the Scarlet 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite, and the link will be in the show notes as well. This week, I get to speak to Haley Rowe. She's a business coach, a sales and marketing strategist, and host of Health Coach Nation. She joins the show to discuss her background and business and how her resiliency and her passion comes through in her podcast. She's worked over eight years as a health coach and in business development for two rapidly growing health startup companies. She became passionate about helping other coaches go beyond their certifications and addresses the missing pieces that are holding them back from success. As with many entrepreneurs, Haley has an interesting origin story, and she shares the first item she sold online and the mentors who helped her along the way. She points to a definitive moment in her early life that taught her a valuable lesson and shares her entrepreneurial aha moment, as well as some of the meaningful interactions she's had with her clients. We learn about the inspiration behind and the format structure of her podcast, Health Coach Nation, and how she's matured as a podcast host. Let's not forget that this episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. Fullcast.co is the website. If you need help with any aspect of your show from launch to production and marketing, we can help. Schedule a free chat at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15 about your existing or new show. I had a new five-star review come in from Juana Poreo. 
She writes, Harry has some great guests on his podcast, and I especially enjoy the Russ Johns interview. Fabulous guests with a wealth of knowledge, highly recommended for anyone who wants to learn about anything. Thank you so much, Juana. I really appreciate you taking the time to write that. And if you're interested in supporting the show and writing a review, head to ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies, and I'd be more than happy to read it out on a future episode. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 246. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, let's get into this conversation with Haley. So Haley Rowe, host of Health Coach Nation, thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and I'm definitely a podcast junkie. So perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's a little bit, a little bit of a long night. So just to date stamp this, it is the day after election day. I myself went ho- went to sleep at 2 AM. Oh I, <laughs> I don't know how late you were up, but it's been an interesting 24 hours to say the least for, for the country. Yes. I went to bed around 12 or 1230. And then I was like, you know what? It's not going to change anything. Me staying up. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And uh, that's probably a topic for another podcast, <laughs> another yeah. type of podcast show. So I'm curious because we I had the, the pleasure of uh, being on your show. So thank you for that opportunity. But what I, I thought was really interesting is I feel like you have a lot of things in motion, you know, from an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial perspective. I'm curious if you remember what was the first thing you ever sold online. Ooh, that's a good question. So the first thing I ever sold online, well, I don't know if you can qualify it as online, but the first thing I ever sold with a company was fitness products. So you did have to buy those online. But the first thing I sold on my own was probably an ebook. And it was only one copy was bought. And it was a really dumb decision to make that ebook because I did no market research and just felt like it was a great idea. And it was not a great idea. And so I learned a lot from that. That was about, that was a long time ago. And I realized I will never do that again, unless I know that people actually want it. There's a market for this before spending a lot of time making like a 200 page ebook. (laughs) Not even a small ebook, a 200 page ebook. Oh yeah. It was intense. What was the, would you comfortable sharing like what the subject was? Yeah. So at the time I wrote it out of my own frustration with skin health. So I had acne and a lot of issues with that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to write this ebook about how I like helped my acne and done it naturally and got off the antibiotics and blah, blah, blah. And it was called Youth Proof, uh, which was Again, just a dumb name. <laughs> and, you know, it was not my best decision, but somebody bought it. One person bought it. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting, and any entrepreneur can relate to this, is you don't know what you don't know in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And there's no one to help you unless you just were lucky enough to have entrepreneurial friends. I always tell people, like, when I left my nine to five job, I didn't know. I mean, I, you know, in college, they don't teach anything about being an entrepreneur. They don't certainly don't tell you about lead pages, lead right. magnets, like marketing, copywriting, all these things you sort of have to learn on your own. And and that's why masterminds and these group programs are valuable in the beginning to just help you understand. I always say my entry into like the world of digital marketing was like Narnia. Like you go in there and you're like, whoa, <laughs> like who are all these people? And yeah. it's so funny because I, you know, it seems cringeworthy now when you think about the ebook, but at, 
you know, in the beginning, like I was given that advice too. Like you should have an ebook and people will like clamor to like download it and read it. And then you quickly realize being an entrepreneur that no one, you don't have time to read a 200 page yeah. ebook. Right. And the other thing I think is that's really common is people think that they can just, once they get their certification or they get their education or they get whatever it is that after that, it's just going to be like, okay, start my business and people start coming to me. And it's like, no, actually you got to, at the beginning, you got to go to them. You got to be in their face. You got to figure out what your systems are going to be to generate leads and things like that. So I think that's another common misconception. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just get this thing. And then people will start asking me about my business and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can you point, and it may not be one thing, but can you point to a specific group that you found, something you read or a mentor you found that began to like give you some of those aha moments? I was like, oh, this is like a better way forward. Yes. So there's a couple life teachers and people that helped me. First, I got a bunch of certifications, just like I was mentioning earlier. And I knew I wanted to coach people. I knew I wanted to have my own business. I knew I wanted to be based out of service and do stuff online. And one of the best teachers that it wasn't a person in particular, but it was working in the startup world because I did that for a little while and did worked on the business development and marketing team. And I realized how fast you have to learn things, how to be resourceful and just go figure things out the fact that you have to make a decision and just line up with it and overanalyze every little thing and waste a ton of time. So I think that was a super valuable lesson for me because as somebody who had a bunch of certifications and and wanted to have my own business, I still didn't have the character traits or the characteristics to be like, I wouldn't have known how to be resourceful or how to like go figure things out or feel more confident in that if I didn't work in the startup world. So that was one thing. But as far as mentors and programs and things like that, I'm a huge podcast junkie. I love people like old and new, meaning I love people who talk about strategy and traits and characteristics and like people like Dan Sullivan and people who just embody. I love Alex Sharfin. I know you do too, I think. You know, people like that. But I also like the people who talk about what works online currently and, and that kind of stuff, like the Russell Brunsons of the world. So I would say there's been a lot of great coaches and mentors and programs I've done. And I've taken away, even on the ones where I felt like in the moment I didn't get my ROI or I got something different than I expected. Still, those provided great wisdom for me about what, how to make better decisions, how to, you know, how I don't want to be like, so I think every, whether it's been a good investment or bad investment or a good mentor or what I labeled at the time as a bad mentor, which I don't label it like that anymore it's been helpful and useful. Yeah, I think it's just as important, the mistakes. So we know like not to do those again. Mm-hmm. And I think as an entrepreneur, what I learned is, is this concept of failing fast or failing forward, you know, because there will be failures. And I think if people think they're going to become an entrepreneur and not have failures, you know, Tim Ferriss likes to talk about like the hundreds of book publishers. He sent his, his draft for the four hour work week to, you know, yeah. before someone decided. And I think, did you find that you built up this resilience that you mm-hmm. didn't maybe didn't know you had when when you became an entrepreneur, just like like this tough skin or, you know, just kind of like this, 
I hate to use the word hustle because it's I feel like it's overused, but this idea of like like I have to make this work, like there is no yeah. plan B. <laughs> yes, 100%. And I really in the beginning of my coaching business, I was hustling hard and I, you know, was a listening to Grant Cardone and like the 10x rule and I'm like I got to figure this out and I'm trying all these different things and I'm looking like and I felt like sometimes in the beginning of my business, when people would ask me about my business, I felt like a dog with my tail between my legs. Like I'm working freaking hard, but I'm not seeing the fruits of my labor yeah. yet. Yeah, and yeah. there came a time where you have this thing called the compound effects, as they say, and that started to take off. And then I was freed. You know, I started looking at, well, what am I doing that's not working? How can I focus on the things that work the most and double down on those. How can I find people who are better than me to help with certain things? So then you start to become smarter and work smarter. But I do think there was a period of time and I can't even remember the original question. What was the original question? No, I think just this resilience, like, yes, you know, resilience. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there was a period of time where I was really going for it and had to develop a lot of resilience and have a fast bounce back rate and not take things super personally in my business because it was a lot of rejection. It was a lot of learning curve. It was a lot of mistakes. And to this day, I still make mistakes, but there was a time period where it really was hard. And <laughs> so I think that if nothing else, entrepreneurship is the best personal development crash course you could possibly take because you have to learn what are your weaknesses, take responsibility for everything. Even if somebody else messes up or a client's not ideal, it's still your fault because you either went mm. through with it or you, you didn't communicate something yeah. or you didn't make, you didn't set boundaries, et cetera. So I think taking that responsibility is a lot but it also makes you empowered and it allows you to develop this thick skin and learn how to bounce back when you have setbacks. Is there anything in the way you were raised or experiences you had early on where you can look back and you, you can see, oh, I think I am where I am now because of like, you know, that family lesson or, or that life lesson yes. or, or something early on? Oh, yeah. So I grew up as a singer and I also dabbled in acting. And I would say that going on auditions, putting out original music, which is like very embarrassing, especially <laughs> when you're in middle school, which is when I started. <laughs> it is something that trains you to care less about what people think. And, you know, I got bullied about one of my songs which at the net looking back i'm like i, I kind of understand why it was really bad is it online at the time i thought it was so great yeah. um, and so i think that having that experience made me realize like oh yeah that happens but then time goes on and people are not thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you and you just move on and you keep growing and you learn from it is any of your old music online? Oh, unfortunately, yes. And I, the worst part is I don't know my logins to go take it down. <laughs> so I thought about this before, but I had somebody helping me with my music management and I no longer have that person's contact information. I can't find them. I don't know how to take it down. So <laughs> it's out there. 
Well, that's funny because it's just, well, it's interesting because when you tell the story, it's something to point back to and be like, look, I'm, I'm, I've tried stuff like I've, and I've put myself out there and you actually have proof that you've done it as well. My theory in life is like, if you can't look back five years ago, three years ago or whatever and be like, what was I doing? Or like, that was so weird. You're not living. <laughs> you gotta do that kind of stuff. Not only are you not living, you're not growing, you're not evolving because you should be it's almost like shedding your skin like every couple of years and be like, okay, like I'm a new version. And to your point, if you do look back and you're like, oh, I'm doing exactly the same stuff I was doing like three years or five years ago. Like what's up with that? You know? Yeah. I studied acting as well. I studied for three years in New York oh. City. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Do you have any embarrassing things out there? No, nothing online, okay. but it was tiny. It was like a black box theater. And so you'd have to do these scenes where you're like, strip down to your boxers and get in this like bed oh with this, like, your fellow actor and there's like 20 people like in a room like looking at you and you're like but it was interesting because it, it very very quickly got you out of your comfort zone for sure and it's like puts the pressure on you to just like okay like you can't like be embarrassed like about these things you have to like get over yourself and realize like hey it's you know we all stumble we all fall and i think as entrepreneurs, you know, we, we all think like, this is the one thing that I'm going to do. And if I don't do it and I'm a failure, like everyone's going to, going to see that I can't make it. And I think the more experiences we have in life that show us that no, life is not going to be handed to you, <laughs> like yeah. the stronger we become. Totally. I can think of many, I took improv classes and all that stuff. And I also think of this one dance class I took where one day they said there was a break dance circle or something. And I was so bad at dance. It's not natural to me at all. And we had to get in the circle to lip gloss and do some tree styling by ourselves in a circle of people watching us. So that was like one of the worst things ever. But when you go through those things, your tolerance level gets higher. Yes, yes. I tend to be the one now at some of these, uh, back when we went to live events, remember those? I was, I would, I'm going to be the one that uh, if there's a, a karaoke setup, I'm going to be the one singing Rapper's Delight on stage. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> so when did you start to feel like as an entrepreneur, like things were starting to click and you were starting to put together what would become like the outline of like the programs you have now? Yes. So things started to click when I got let go from one of my jobs where it was a startup. They were facing a lot of delays. They were having a bunch of problems and they had to get a bunch of approvals for certain devices that they were going to have in their center. And the entire team got let go. And what I learned from that was that really either having a job or creating your own thing, both are risky, both are scary. And so I figured, well, I'd rather put my time into trying to figure it out myself and betting on myself here because I've always wanted to do that. And now I have this opportunity and I realized the worst thing that could happen when you have a job happened. So really, this is not as this is about equally as risky. So I did start to look for how can I put together a framework that teaches some of the things I learned in business from that time period and also is relevant to what's going on now in the world, in the online marketing world. So, you know, went through some programs myself. I, were, you know, talked, did a lot of market research with the people I was hoping to help. And I started to develop my framework, which I call Grow Your Business the Fast Way. 
And it stands for followers, which just means like having a full pipeline in your coaching business of potential good quality leads. Action, which is just how do you create content that compels people to take action and is, is relevant enough that they want to work with you. And then S stands for sales. So how do you overcome your fears around sales? How do you structure your sales process? That kind of thing. And then time and transformation, which is time management. What the heck? How do you not get distracted and have shiny object syndrome? And then transformation, the personal transformation you have to go on and the transformation you want to provide for your clients and what that looks like in your offers. So that came together. That clicked in the sauna one day. I just came up with that randomly. But all of it leading up to that was a lot of personal conversations that I've I mean, I've talked to hundreds of coaches. I mean, I don't even know, maybe thousands. I don't know. But mm -hmm. that hearing what they struggle with, being able to present solutions for them, being able, and also my life coaching background came into play with some of the mindset stuff that comes up when you are on your business journey. So yeah, it all started to click when I realized there was this natural interest of people asking me certain questions based on the experience that I had. And it kind of went from there and asked, how can I teach this in a way that provides a framework or is a method or isn't just kind of abstract? So that's where it came from. Do you remember a specific experience with a client where you felt like, because we all have that moment where we're like, wow, I'm, I'm actually adding value to this person, like, and, or I'm changing something in their lives, or they're having an, a, a, the desired outcome that my program, you know, says it's going to provide, like, and, and when you have that feeling, personally, I know that it's, it feels good. And I'm wondering if you, you can remember when you've experienced that. Oh, yeah. So I, I mean, there wasn't a specific, like, brain blowing moment. But I would say that helping my clients, like seeing my clients have sales come in and book their first client or book their first high ticket client or do something they never thought was possible. Like they, for example, were in this corporate job, whatever, and they never thought it would be possible to sell a $4,000 health coaching package or something. And then they do it. That to me is so thrilling. And even though it's a sale, which I know is like kind of superficial and you know, whatever, but they're making the impact they're meant to make. And yeah. they're doing it in a way that's sustainable and not going to be a hobby now for them, and actually a business which allows them to keep doing it and keep making their impact. So to me, there's nothing more exciting than when my clients are like, Oh, my God, I did that thing that I was scared to do, or I didn't know I could do. And I keep a whole folder of like nice things that my clients have said to me because my <laughs> my love language probably is words of affirmation so oh that's interesting yeah yeah my partner and i talk about that because we have differing ones and <laughs> we got to get those aligned sometimes <laughs> so what's interesting there is like those are helpful too like when you're having a down day you probably like pull out that folder and be like okay i need a boost here because <laughs> i'm having a tough day <laughs> when did you start thinking of that a podcast would be something helpful to add into the mix you know i really started the podcast completely differently it was more about health because i was at the time that's what i felt like talking about with people and i used it as an excuse to go get people to talk to me who i wanted to talk to <laughs> and so that's how it started but it now it has transformed into more of a nurturing tool and just a d additional way to, I, like, I love the idea of being in the ears of your ideal client. And there's nothing more mm. personal and intimate than that. And I know for me how much podcasts have changed 
podcasts have probably taught me more than my education, any mentor, like everything. I am obsessed with podcasts. So I knew I wanted, I mean, I thought it'd be so cool to have one of my own and I knew what a profound impact it had on me. And so that's kind of another reason why I wanted to do it. Talk a little bit about more about the impact because I can yeah. sense the, the energy and the excitement that you have for them. So like, I want that, you know, to, it, I just, it just bears repeating, especially on this show. Like we can geek mm-hmm. out on podcasting and, and I'm, I can, I want to know, learn more about, you know, how you came to feel that and why podcasts were the vehicle for that. Yeah. So I think for me, as somebody who's always been an old soul and always been somebody who is very eager to learn things, it's so, and an auditory learner. That's the third thing. If I read things, sure, I soak in some of it, but if I listen to something, it really drives it home for me. So I think that when, like some of the moments where I've realized it's been so helpful is number one, when I did get let go from my job, I had to pour into personal development. And so podcasts were there for me when I was recovering from a time where I didn't really want to talk to other people about it. I just kind of wanted to introspectively listen to somebody else, like tell me how to think and yeah, how to yeah. So that yeah. was really important. And then I think business-wise, on any topic or thing I'm struggling with at the moment, you can literally search those phrase words and find something to help you solve that problem for free. So it blows my mind that more people don't take advantage of podcasts, especially when you're in your car or on a walk or something like that, getting ready in the morning. Like to me, it's like the best gift ever. And education, I mean, in school and whatnot, I think that I'm not, I have nothing against that, but I think that podcasts are able to be so tailored to whatever you need right now. And you could go search something and find it. And it's like, you have these mentors yeah. available to you. Yeah. And I think people, to your point, underestimate just how much you can learn on a podcast, especially when they're done well and you have these multi-part sequences and, and literally like figured things out and like, how do I create a landing page or, or what's mm-hmm. the, and even keeping up to date, especially in the world of digital marketing, like where else can you go to find out how people are talking about? Yes. Like, you know, let's say as an example, click funnels don't work anymore for this industry. So like you should be trying these new tools. And it, it just, for me, it's my first foray into podcasting was because I was building a mobile app. So I was just geeking out on like mobile app development, mobile app development. I would have like five or 10 podcasts on there. And it really becomes like your online university. And the beauty of it is you can find a voice that you resonate with because you could have, I always tell people you could have five people with the same exact podcast, even given the same podcast name and same content. And you would end up with five different shows. So it's finding people that you resonate with as well. Completely starting to think about that you're inspired by all these podcasts and you're hearing all these podcast hosts do their thing and you're like oh, i could do that as well on my show and i've studied acting so i've got and i can sing so i've got all the talents <laughs> so <laughs> how are you thinking about the format of the show and you know what you were going to talk about who you were going to interview talk a little bit about that yes so when i first started i was super into like sending the list of questions beforehand and giving you know, we have the intro and then we go into the episode and we interview you for an hour and then we have the outro and the structure, to be honest, 
really the only structure I had was it had to be about one of my brand pillars, like one of the things that I want to talk about and be known for. It just, it, you know, I can't have a podcast on sprouting seeds if I'm not a health co- like, you know, it had either yeah. be a really bad example, but oh, break dancing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either has to be for now about marketing, sales, mindset, or time management. And so that's really currently now I'm much more relaxed about my podcast. And I'll be honest, it's not my top, like the thing I have to do perfectly. It's there. It's solid in my opinion, but could definitely use some work. And it's mainly more interviews with people who fall under one of those categories and teaching people about one of those things. So now the structure is just very conversational. But also, I do like giving tactical tips rather than just only talking about, you know, the concepts of inspiration. So I try to balance that out. So that's pretty much it. (laughs) How have you grown as a host since starting your show? How have I grown? Well, I would say that I've grown my relationships, meaning it's such a great way to just work in building new connections, networking into your life because otherwise if you don't have that accountability of I got to put out a podcast every week Mm, you might not get to it the other thing is I think it's helped me grow my relationship with my audience my ideal client avatar I've had a lot of people who heard me on a podcast a year and a half ago or listen to my podcast for a year and then they enroll in my programs and it's not doesn't always take a year but sometimes you know, it's, it's such a great long-term strategy to grow your business as far as building that connection and making the, you know, relationship tighter. The other thing I think that it has, what it's helped me do is feel more confident talking to people and asking questions and just, you know, that kind of thing. So a little bit of everything, but mainly the relationship building, that's probably been the key thing. Do you notice your comfort level in asking questions or conducting an interview? Because a lot of times, like if you've never interviewed anyone before, you're going to have that piece of paper. I started with that piece of paper as well and like got to get through my six questions. And then if it's like an hour interview and then you're done in like 15 minutes, you're like, okay, like what do I talk about now? Yeah. <laughs> so, so then you have to, I've been studying like other podcast interviewers and I listen like Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan's are getting better. Actually, I've been noticing he's getting better. Imagine a three hour interview, like just really digging in and just asking and being curious, I think is what's what's been helpful for me. So I was just wondering if you've noticed yourself in your ability to, to hold an interview and conduct an interview, if like that skill is improving as well. Yeah, I would say that I think like my ideal clients think. So I try to ask the questions that I know they'd be asking, even if it's not in my best interest. Like mm. oh, I already know the answer to that. I think you need to come into a podcast interview with a very open beginner's mindset. And I think that what's helped me as well is having um, a general idea of the top takeaways I want my audience to have. I mean, not takeaways as far as what I need this person to say, but like, why are we even doing this interview? how is it going to benefit my audience? As long as I go in with that and I keep guiding it back to that thing, I feel pretty good about the interview versus yes. In the beginning, I did feel more stressed out and kind of all over the place with, I got to ask these questions or what if we didn't get time to do these things or whatever. And now I'm just kind of like, I don't force it, but I know the general 
thing that my audience wants to learn is this. And so I'm going to ask questions about that. And when we get off topic, try to guide it back to that. <laughs> yeah, that's so important. This concept of uh, keeping the listener in mind. I, I know we say like in these conversations, I should, it should feel like it's Harry, it's Haley. And it's like a third person or, or like, a, you know, at, at the, at the bar, just having a drink or in the lobby and someone just pulled up a chair and they're like listening to us as we have this conversation. And I always say it's, the, the host, the, the guest, and the listener are the three people involved in every single conversation. So I think that's important. And also referring to the listener in the singular, not, oh hey, everyone. <laughs> yes, I was just about to say that. I am so guilty of that. Every time I go live or do things along those lines, I'm like, hey, guys, hey, everyone. And I just learned from Paul Mumford, who's a video editor guy. I mean, I... I think I've heard this multiple places. I just can't remember to do it. Is that you need to focus on just the you, the you that's listening, the one person yes. that's listening. Yes. Yeah. I think people forget it's a very intimate conversation. Like people are listening on earbuds or they're going for a walk and they're like, oh, I'm going to go for, and it's like, it's, they think about it, I'm going to go for a walk with Haley. Yeah. Like, um, and so, like, so now that you're, you know, when you think that and keep that in mind. And then to your point, it, it builds up that long term relationship. And you know, we all, we've all heard, the concept of no like and trust and i think that's what you're uh, alluding to is when they first find you like they have no idea who you are like who's right. this Haley girl and like why, why is she on the show and what's she going to talk about and then i think to the extent and, and i don't know how much you do this in your regular shows but even just starting to like reveal pieces of like your personal background and and why you ended up here people resonate because they want to connect on a human to human level with you so i think i i'm sort of put off by people who you can tell it's a whole polished thing and yeah. every single episode is like the broadcaster voice and their broadcaster face and their broadcaster thoughts and i don't know if you've found as if you've started to think about being more personal talking about how your day went and little things like that yeah. that sort of endear you to your listeners you know i think that's a really good point and i every time i've had somebody audit my social media for example or in general, I think that I tend, I tend to steer, like, I'm the kind of person when I listen to a podcast or look for something to learn, I'm more, just tell me the, the facts, like, let's get to the point. I don't need like 12 million different analogies or deep stories. And so I tend to think everyone's like that, but they're not at all. Yeah, and I yeah. know that one of the biggest things I need to do more of in my business is personal storytelling vulnerability, but I also think it has to be authentic to you. So in other yeah. words, I'm not gonna pretend to be sat, like make up this deep story about how I was, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, really, yeah. I'm pretty good at like managing my mood and, and yeah. looking at things logically, and so, right? So I think it needs to be authentic to you, but I also think, yes, people remember how you made them feel and the stories you tell more than they're going to remember the information that you're sharing. Yeah. I've recently had to put down my dog of 17 years. His name was Disco, but oh. I would do Facebook lives and like years ago and be like, Hey, I'm going to, Hey guys, in my podcasting group, just be like, Hey, I'm going on a walk with my dog Disco. So like regular listeners will actually know who he is. And, and so like when I share the news, people are like, Oh my God, I remember like you would mention oh. him. So to your point, it, 
you don't want it to be like a therapy session, like right. where you're just going to sit on the mic and just be like, let me tell you how bad my day went. Because <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to listen to that. But I think we're all, especially now, you know, we're recording this again, like I said, in November 2020, in the mid-COVID. So people are starving for like human interactions, for connecting yeah. with other human beings. I think that's really important. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that value and, and it's not just in the information or in the facts and in the tactical stuff. Value sometimes is helping somebody be heard, understood, and showing support to them. So if you can do that in your content and also share the personal sides of you that people will relate to and be able to see you as, like you said, humans, because we buy from humans at the end of the day, that's going to be really important. Can you think of a relationship with someone who's been helpful for you in this specific part of your journey, like a mentor or someone that you think of that comes to mind? Yeah, well, there's been a lot, but I would say that one of my biggest mentors is now my current business partner. He was originally my mentor, and then we ended up partnering together. So his name's Paul Barry, and he is someone who just under the radar, but he's like a hidden gem. <laughs> and he really taught, he was somebody who first showed me that, like he was somebody who showed me support that had a whatever it takes mentality. Mm. Meaning he didn't just say, hey, here's our package. Here's how we're going to work together. Here's the you know number of sessions. It was more like, no, we're going to figure out whatever it takes to get you to X, Y, and Z. And he made me want to do that in my business for more people. And he also, we both, have a lot of similar values as far as how we see, like how we want to help people and make an impact and use marketing and sales for good and, and helping coaches keep their job and make their impact. And so eventually we were like, well, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe we should partner together because we never got sick of each other. So that's one of my biggest mentors for sure. Yeah, it's so nice when you can find someone with whom you share the same values, you align, and you know when you find that you work together, that the the product you can create together is bigger than if you were just both doing it on your own. Yeah, absolutely. So, a couple of questions as as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Something I've changed my mind about social media for sure, because I realized how much little, even little tiny checkings of social media throughout the day, even if it's two seconds in between a meeting or like blindly finding myself with it open on my phone in my hand. And I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> what just happened here? I yeah. am sick of it. I'm sick of social media. I'm sick of, of it. Okay. So my new thing right now is trying to be scroll free unless it's one time a day at night and it's, I can go on to post for my business and do things for my business, go live or whatever, and also check on my clients and my friend, like best friends. So yeah. that's about, and my sister. So that's about it. <laughs> and I'm trying to steer clear of everything else because I think that you can go down the rabbit, like, I, especially I think about politics. I could go down the rabbit hole of both sides so deeply oh, and yeah. be like, which one, what's right, what's wrong, what's, like, what does this mean? Is that true? I don't know. I get so confused. And I am, you could just kill yourself doing that. It's, and it doesn't help. It's not like I'm going to, it doesn't really help. So 
yeah, I'm sick of social media. My opinion used to be about social media that I love it. <laughs> my opinion now is I'd like to be on that as little as possible. <laughs> What's so funny? Have you seen The Social Dilemma? I have not. Book? I've heard great things about it. I mean, I've great. heard it's scary. <laughs> it's great, but it's very, yeah, scary is probably a good word. And then just sobering. Like when I was done watching, I just remember staring at the, the screen for like a minute or two, just like, we're in trouble. Like, yeah. because when you think about the algorithm, the algorithms are meant to keep you on it. Like, yeah. and they're playing with you, know, like your human psychology. And he was saying like, if you, like, if you give your partner your phone, ideally you'd probably have the same friends, but if you start scrolling on Facebook and you scroll each one of your phones, it'll be a completely different feed. Yes. It's going to show you what they think is going to keep you sticky and like watching yes. the next thing and the next thing and, and then your partner, the same thing. So, and it's just, it's a program. So how are you going to beat right. the machine? whose sole purpose is to like keep you stuck to that as much as possible. So yeah. And it's biased to showing you what they think you're going to yes. like and be your opinions. So you never get to see the other side if you're, you know, on there. So I, I yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. It's interesting. This idea of the opinions, cause I've been opening myself up to like, you know, wh whatever you want to call it, like left, right, conservative, liberal. But I think as much as it pains you, depending what side of the spectrum you're on, on certain topics, you do have to watch stuff that you disagree with, if only to mess with the algorithm a bit, because if they're like, okay, we don't know, like what side of the thing is she on? So we're going to keep sending different things, but it's important because, and I think the election sort of showed this, the polling thought like one thing was going to happen and then obviously it didn't. So there's something wrong because we're just, we're hearing what we think we want to hear. And if we live in this bubble and we're like, everything's going to be fine or everything's going to hell, like, <laughs> like it's just echo chamber. And I, and I think, we got to figure out a way to, to get ourselves out of it. We all got to do it individually. Absolutely. You have to set your personal boundaries. And some people are like, well, you know, I guess what's weird is it doesn't get everything. Like in other words, I'll just give a weird example. My sister had a baby recently and she sends me sometimes like mommy posts, like mommy Instagrammers and stuff. And so now Instagram thinks that I'm this mom and like, I want to buy all these mom swaddles and products. And I'm like, Oh man, like I'm really, I'm not a mom. Please leave me alone. So I, it gives me a little faith that it's like, okay, you don't know everything, but yeah, it's still yeah. weird where you like say something and it, it immediately pops up on your newsfeed or just, it's so weird how it works. So oh, you said when you say something. Yeah. Yeah. That one is super weird. That super one is weird. super weird. Cause and, and I know that especially you're saying it and it's happened to my partner and like she, mm -hmm. she's like, Wait, I just, the only time this came up in something I said. So the fact that it's listening to is weird. And then just alerts, like we all have this Pavlovian response. Like it was ding, every vibration, every ding. You're like, oh, what is that? What is that? And then you get like anxious and nervous. Mm -hmm. And then so I've almost turned off probably 95% of like any sort of alert for anything on my phone. Because I want to, someone made an example, like I don't want the, the tiny robot in my pocket to tell me what to do. <laughs> so like, I need to go to it when I need it, not when it, it needs, it's like a baby, like screaming for like, you know, like it's bottle or something like that. Like, oh, like pick me up. Are you owning it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so highly recommend you watch uh, social dilemma. You'll probably change your, your social media habits after that as well. Oh, good. Okay. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? Ooh, that is a deep question. Misunderstood thing about me. Oh, well, I don't know. Let me think about that. I think that a lot of people, I'll just go from a general standpoint and maybe later I'll come up with a more specific idea, but yeah. 
I think a lot of people think sales and marketing is like superficial and cheesy or like annoying and bad in a way that, oh, like you're just trying to make a sale or whatever. And I, I actually disagree. I think that sales and marketing is, is a way to help people transform and get invested in something and it's needed in whatever you need sales and marketing for your charity organization. Like you need to be able to sell the yeah. idea yeah, yeah. to people to help a charity organization. You need to be able to promote things that you believe in to help others see it. Like, so I just think it can be used for good. And I think one of the most misunderstood things is that like it's evil or it's bad and, and it can be bad, it can be manipulated. It can be, people use it inappropriately, but I disagree with that. That's all bad. Yeah, I think your point is that it's a universal skill. That's it's something you need. Almost everyone's going to need the ability to like, you know, how do you sell something? How do you market something in a way that's ethical and and, and not icky? I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Haley, thank you for, for taking the time to come on. I learned a lot that I, I didn't know <laughs> about you, which is good to to kind of paint the picture. And and speaking of acting, what's interesting, the inspiration for this show was inside the actor studio. Love it. So that show, remember if you would like, you would see the actor and be like, oh, I kind of see them as a human being now because they're like, it's personal and it's not just the face they want to put on the screen. So I always remember that from my acting days and, and watching that show. I was like, oh, I want to do that. And, but the podcast version. And so and that's why I enjoy these conversations and, and get to know folks and, and hopefully that you know the listener the one listener right now i'm doing i'm making sure i follow my own advice uh, the listener is um will have learned a little bit more about you as well so i appreciate you taking the time thank you this was so fun and it flew by i really appreciate you for coming on the health coach nation podcast as well and this was really fun so where's the best place for folks to learn more to listen to the podcast and to learn more about your program absolutely so the if you go to hayleyrow.com that's my marketing and sales strategy type of business but if you're more interested in the one i told you about where we are partnership and we help you automate your lead generation lead nurturing and sales conversions you can just dm me on instagram i'm at hayley underscore row it's h-a-i-l-e-y underscore r-o-w-e and then also the health coach nation podcast is on itunes and all the different platforms and yeah, just feel free to, I'm, the best place, you know, I'm just human to human. So Instagram DMs is a great place to connect. Well, we'll make sure we have all those links in the show notes as well. So thanks again, Haley, for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. So thanks again to Haley for coming on the show. Always much appreciated. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 246. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2 Pro. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Tune in next week for my conversation with Stephanie Fuccio. She's a freelance podcast editor, host of the Geopads podcast, and founder of Podcast Review Day, better known as Pod Rev Day. That's a fun conversation with someone who's incredibly passionate about the world of podcasting. And if you've made it this far, no doubt you're looking for this week's and this year's first retention hashtag. Let's go with Healthy Haley. That's Healthy Haley, H-A-I-L-E-Y. And tag us at podcast underscore junkies or me <laughs> and Haley at Haley underscore row. That's H-A-I-L-E-Y underscore R-O-W-E. 
Thanks for all you do to support the show. Talk to you next week.